So our scripture reading this morning comes from Matthew chapter 9, verse 35 through 1016. We'll be going today over the work of the harvest and how Jesus sends out his disciples and his apostles. Please pray with me. Heavenly Father, I pray that you will open our hearts and minds to hear your word. May your spirit fill us and help us to grow in our understanding of it. Help us to use your word to nourish our souls so that we may grow closer to you and your son and your spirit. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Matthew chapter 9, verse 35 through 1016. And Jesus went all throughout all the cities and villages, teaching in the synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. And he called, them, called to him his twelve disciples and gave them authority over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal every disease and every affliction. The names of the twelve apostles are these, first Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew his brother, James the son of Zebedee, and John his brother, Philip and Bartholomew, Thomas and Matthew the tax collector, James the son of Alphaeus, and Thaddeus, Simon the zealot, and Judas Iscariot, who betrayed him. These twelve Jesus sent out, instructing them, Go nowhere among the Gentiles, and enter no town of the Samaritans, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel and proclaim as you go, saying, The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse lepers, cast out demons. You received without paying, give without, without pay. Acquire no gold or silver or copper for your belts, no bag for your journey or two tunics or sandals or a staff. For the laborer deserves his food. And whatever town or village you enter, find out who is worthy in it and stay there until you depart. As you enter the house, greet it. And if the house is worthy, let your peace come upon it. But if it is not worthy, let your peace return to you. And if anyone will not receive you or listen to your words, shake the dust off your feet when you leave that town or house. Truly I say to you, it will be more bearable on the day of judgment for the land of Sodom and Gomorrah than for that town. Behold, I am sending you out as shepherds in the midst of wolves, so be wise as serpents and innocent as doves. Please pray with me. Father, use the words of my mouth and meditations of our hearts. I pray that they will be acceptable to you, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Have you ever been chosen to be part of a special team, a committee, maybe chosen for a special task or a special project? Maybe you were really excited when you started, then you realized that this may take a little bit of time and a lot of work. Maybe you wondered how you'd be able to do all these things ahead of you. In this week's reading of scripture, we see Jesus choose 12 men who were ordinary men by the world's standards to be his disciples and gave them power and authority to do his work. As we know from studying God's word, 
Following Jesus has its costs. But more important, following him brings rewards that are greater than any cost or sacrifice a person must make, and they last forever. So as we explore this passage today, uh, we're breaking it up into three sections, if you're so inclined to take notes. First section will be uh, verses 35 through 38 from chapter 9. Jesus saw the crowds and had compassion for the lost people. Next section will be Matthew 10, 1 through 4. Jesus called his 12 disciples by name and gave them authority. And the last section, the bulk of our discussion will be today, Matthew chapter 10, 5 through 16, Jesus sends out the 12. So in our reading this morning, we're at the beginning of the passage where Jesus is going through towns and villages, teaching and proclaiming the gospel, healing the sick. He sees the needs of the people in the crowd and has compassion for them. The people in the crowd are like the lost sheep without a shepherd, harassed, helpless, without a leader. So Jesus tells his disciples there's much work to do in the fields and that the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. But there's a great imbalance between the immensity of the field and the small number of harvesters at that time. Jesus did not say, as the world might expect, go find laborers, find somebody to help you work this, but pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Luke's gospel in chapter six says, in these days he went to the mountain to pray and all night he continued in prayer to God. By Jesus' example, we are called and invited to pray. To be sure, this is a call to active prayer. We need to remember the harvest is God's work. How often do we take it on ourselves to do God's work without seeking his guidance and direction? God wants us to come to him with everything that we do and say, just like Jesus did. So then in Matthew 10, he's calling his disciples. After spending the whole night in prayer, Jesus called his 12 and gave them authority and power to do his work. Jesus does not call people to do his work without giving them what they need to accomplish that work. Jesus shows us that it's a mistake to choose any church or Christian leader or worker without specific prayer. We may want to choose leaders who are naturally gifted, well-educated, personal, well-dressed, whatever. If God has not called that person for his work, usually trouble follows. We're asking that you join us in prayer, particularly now at this time of our church where we're seeking God's guidance and leading as we are in the assistant pastor search process and elder and deacon training. We know that God has men in mind for these positions, and we want to follow God's leading in this process, so we covet your prayers. The disciples did not volunteer for their special positions. Jesus chose these men, these disciples, these believers in him and his teachings, believers in God's holy word. By accepting Jesus' call to service and ministry, these 12 men are also known as the 12 apostles, sent on a mission chosen by God. The term apostle is derived from the word I send. The 12 apostles are the foundation of God's church built on Jesus Christ as his cornerstone. Jesus gave power to his disciples to preach and to heal in his name. They could do nothing by themselves. They could only give what they had received. 
Now, Jesus called men from wide and diverse backgrounds and occupations according to the will of his Father. Again, we see God selected men who may not have been chosen by the teachers of the day or by our high standards of the world today. Let's see who some of these men are. Simon, who's called Peter, was a fisherman, very outgoing and impetuous, to the point of being reckless at times, yet he eventually lives up to his meaning of his name, Peter the Rock. Andrew is brother of Simon, a fisherman also, who brought his brother to Jesus, a disciple of John. James, the son of Zebedee, is also a fisherman, brother of John. Perhaps he had a fiery temperament because these brothers were also known as the sons of thunder. John, the brother of James, another fisherman, called with his brother, appears to have been quick to judge others, but he also became the disciple who Jesus loved. Philip, called by Jesus after he met Peter and Andrew, asked Jesus to show us the Father. Thomas is remembered as the doubter. Matthew's a tax collector, the writer of the Gospel of Matthew, we're using today as our text. Simon the Zealot. Zealots were part of a group who advocated revolutionary means to free Judea from Roman rule. And we know about Judas Iscariot, the betrayer. So as you can see, these men all represent different aspects of humanity with different personalities and different backgrounds. But Jesus still called these men to be with him so he could begin their training. Now, could there have been a better way to prepare to serve God than to spend all your time with Jesus? We don't have that opportunity today directly, but we have God's word and we have his Holy Spirit that he sent to guide us as we seek to serve him. Listen to what Paul has written in Philippians chapter 2 to give us encouragement. If you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any fellowship with the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and purpose. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourself. Each of you should look not only to your own interest, but to the interest of others. Your attitude should be the same of that of Christ Jesus. While each of us are unique and different, we are called to action, being of the same self-sacrificing humility and love for others. Now we're seeing where Jesus is sending out the 12. Once again called, Jesus sends out the 12 with these specific directions and instructions. Now the instruction, go nowhere among the Gentiles and enter no town of the Samaritans, may be surprising in light of the teachings from Matthew chapter 8 as Jesus discusses the faith of the centurion. When Jesus heard this, he marveled and said to those who followed him, Truly I tell you, with no one in Israel I have found such faith. I tell you, many will come east and west and recline at table with Isaac, Abraham, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven, while the sons of the kingdom will be thrown into the outer darkness. But it's understood clearly by those who take seriously the place of Israel and God's plan. There's no exclusivity involved here. It's a matter of priority and time and opportunity for additional training. It's toward the people who have received the promises, who have been charged by being God's people among the nations that Jesus turns to first. At the same time, Jewish history and tradition 
made it very difficult for the disciples to be comfortable in witnessing to Gentiles and Samaritans, even after Jesus' death and resurrection and the Great Commission. Spending more time with Jesus helped them prepare to fulfill his call. After his resurrection, we see in Matthew 28, 18 through 20, then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. So Jesus' instructions are based on an urgency to reach the lost sheep of the flock, with which God has declared to be his own. The hour of decision is sounded, and all the children of God must be warned of it, as they have believed and waited for from century to century. The disciples are given the power to proclaim God's kingdom in both word and actions. Now we should remember that the grace of God is a free gift and ought to be proclaimed without pay. On the other hand, the worker for God is to count on the necessities of life being given to him. For example, the priests who were chosen by God to serve the Israelites come from Aaron's line, his sons, and their descendants, had their food and shelter provided by the people. Clearly, God wants his workers to be cared for. At the same time, how could the disciples travel around the rugged countryside without a bag with an extra tunic or sandals or a staff? How many of us would be able to travel with so few necessities or luxuries? It's possible that this is a reflection of the Jewish ritual prescription, which demanded that one not present himself on the mountain of God or the temple with a staff, with sandals, with bag, or dusty feet. The meaning of this part of the passage would then be, carry yourself in all things as you would carry yourself in the presence of God, in an attitude of prayer, humble, and exposed. For the whole earth is his temple. Disciples were to travel lightly and to main, remain uncom, unencumbered by material possessions. At any rate, it's still true as these disciples of Jesus would present, should, we should present ourselves to those whom we witness in humility, clothed only in the power of God. Paul's attitude shows clearly that this is not always a matter of absolute rule. He did not hesitate in some situations to voluntarily deprive himself of hospitality, which he considered to be acceptable in other times. He earned his bread by the sweat of his brow in order to safeguard the gospel. With regard to material goods, he gave evidence of a magnificent liberty, as he wrote in Philippians chapter 4. I greatly rejoice in the Lord that at last you have renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you have been concerned but you had no opportunity to show it. I'm not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Our focus should be on going to God for every need. It's important that the simplicity of life be retained so that one who is sent is a neighbor to those whom God has sent, integrated into their manner of life and ready to receive as well as to give. 
As noted in verses 15, 11 through 15, the disciples were to stay with worthy hosts, not necessarily the most convenient or luxurious accommodations. A worthy person would be one who welcomed a disciple of Jesus and his message. The greeting of peace the disciple was to give was the nominal greeting of the day. If the host proved to be unworthy by not continuing to welcome the disciple, he was to leave that house and stay elsewhere. By withdrawing personally, the disciple would withhold a blessing from that house, namely his presence as a representative of Jesus. The apostles were to do to towns as they did to households as well. The expression, shake the dust off your feet, signifies that the responsibility of refusal rests entirely on those who have been called and are not responding. Those who reject Jesus will face harsher judgment than that facing Sodom and Gomorrah. John writes, whoever believes in the Son has eternal life, but whoever rejects the Son will see life, for God's wrath remains on him. Verse 16 reminds us of what we need to be watching out for as we serve Jesus. Behold, I am sending you out as sheep in the midst of wolves, so be wise as serpents and innocent as doves. We are to use good judgment, but never to do harm. Jesus is preparing the disciples for what they will be facing in their mission to spread the good news and work the harvest. Jesus continued to discuss the dangers the apostles will face and how they should deal with them. In the description of the opposition his disciples would face, including family and friend betrayals, Jesus looked beyond his death at the time of trials and tribulation that would follow. Then the disciples would have the same message and the same power as they did when he sent them out. The road of their mission leads them through a period of tribulation and persecution. At that time, they were unaware that Jesus would have to die and be resurrected for God's plan to be fulfilled, even though the Old Testament scriptures reveal this. Jesus was beginning to prepare them and their successors for these events and the persecution they would experience as his followers. Jesus gives them assurance, though, that they will not be alone when it's time to face and respond to their accusers. The Holy Spirit enabled them to speak with needed confidence, and that promise is also for us, the Holy Spirit being with us as we witness in the name of Jesus. So as we look at the summary of this text, we see Jesus called his disciples, gave them instructions to preach, first to the Jews and later to the whole world. He gave them practical lessons to remain safe and effective. He was concerned for their safety since he knew they would be dealing with difficult situations while performing his work, facing at least the opposition he did while he was here. Jesus' promise of the Holy Spirit was realized and experienced at Pentecost after his death, resurrection, and ascension. So what opportunities and possibilities for serving is God revealing to you? As we continue to grow as this church with the current search and officer training, we are looking for you to join us in God's work that we are called here to do at All Souls. If you're a visitor, your church needs you to also help in that work as well. We ask that you look to areas in which God is working and see who needs help. We ask that you pray with a purpose for a heart to serve, for awareness of the opportunities to serve, and for sensitivity of the Holy Spirit's leading for a particular role in serving. Ask your elders or church leaders to share what they see as God's vision 
for his church. Ask where people are needed to serve. Ask for a prayer for discernment as you seek a place to serve. Now's the time to get started. We each learn to serve by serving. Commit to moving forward in God's plan as you're now able to see how God's work, God works for his good, for our good and his glory. So when someone calls you to serve, and we will, remember that Jesus may be calling you to this opportunity to prepare you for a future role or position. In all that we do, we are called to share the good news of Jesus Christ. Let me read again the last four verses of Matthew chapter 28, the Great Commission. Then the eleven went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. It's a great comfort to know that Jesus, our Lord and Savior, is with us in all that we do. He's calling each of us to be his disciple. Jesus told the disciples just before he sent it up to heaven, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Jesus issues this charge to us as well. Be a witness in your community and this church or your church that you belong to at work, at school, even at the grocery store. Like Jesus, we need to start with prayer. Then we need to be instructed in the word. Then we need to work together to serve God and fulfill his plan, watching out for opposition and persecution. And if things are difficult and times are challenging, you feel discouraged, remember what Paul said in Philippians 4.13. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Count on Jesus to prepare you for his call to serve. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your work in the lives of the apostles, the ways that we can learn from them and your word. Help each of us to be open to your call and be ready to serve even in ways that surprise us. Thank you for giving us your Holy Spirit to guide us and your word to help us study and live by. Pray that we will give you glory in our service and in our work together. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.